How you doing, sir? Great, man. How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling real good, man. I've been looking doing looking forward to doing this for a while, so let's get this thing popping. <laughs> I was about to say the name, but I forgot. We don't got one. No, nah, we don't, man. This is the No Name Variety Show. Yeah. Um, Introduce yourself. Well, my name is Capital J. I'm a disc jockey slash everything involved in music and radio. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's how powerful right there. Hey, I don't know. I got to find the power in it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I need to stick it on a resume. So I know you got a long story about that. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, I think it's important if we um, let the listeners know where we are, city well, and state. Well, right now, we're broadcasting live from Durham, North Carolina. If you're outside of North Carolina, you probably have mistakenly referred to this area as Raleigh-Durham. <laughs> it's just Durham. Raleigh is down the road. But we're in Durham. They say Raleigh, uh, RDU, Raleigh-Durham. Yeah. Yeah, this is the Raleigh-Durham area, but we're in the actual city of Durham. Okay. Okay. You said that with your chest out, too. Yeah, I had to let people know they think it's like Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem is one city, not Winston and Salem. Raleigh-Durham is two different cities, Raleigh and Durham. I hope nobody made that mistake, Winston and Salem. Hey, man, if you're not from around these parts, I don't blame you. Right. North Carolina got a lot going on. And um, we were talking about hip-hop and, I guess, the history of hip-hop in um, North Carolina in particular. Because I, re I read um, two different articles. One was in, I think I said 2020, but it was actually 2019. And the other one was in 2012. And both of them said that rap started in North Carolina with Petey Pablo and J. Cole. Mm. You know what? That's a good place to start. This is our first show, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So like, the best place to start, our first show broadcast from Durham, North Carolina, is I guess, let's talk about where did hip-hop start in North Carolina. Mm. Interesting. I mean, okay. <clears throat> Historically. Ah. <sighs> I think most people in agreement would say that hip hop started in the Bronx, early seventies. Let's say it was seventy two ish. Cool Herc, you know, this is a party that right. really is the catalyst of all of this. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been growing, right? Right. Um, seventy nine, you had uh, a real rap record out. Your boy, our King Tim the Third, the Fatback Band. Mm. And then, 79. Yep, and then uh, Rapper's Delight came out, which is an actual record by rappers because the Fatback Band was not rappers. Okay. So that's all happening up in New York, New Jersey, Sugar Hill Records. And then, this is North Carolina. We got the Carolinas. The first girl rap group comes out of the Carolinas in mm -hmm. 1981. 8081, we're talking about sequence. Mm. So, 
There goes the first Carolina connection right there. That sequence. Right. Three girls. Angie B was uh, later became Angie Stone. She was a part of that group. They were from, I think, Anderson, South Carolina. Wow. Um, The next connection that I can say would have been a national connection to hip-hop from North Carolina, let's say fast forward to about 1987, 88. Okay. The Busy Boys from Greensboro, you had a record label called Payroll Records. Okay. In Greensboro. And... The Busy Boys was a rap group that consisted of, let me see, the Rhythm Fanatic, Will Ski, Dana Lucci. Um, Oh, wow. um, Dana Lucci uh, left. Yeah, back then he was Mixed Master D. He's no longer with us. God rest his soul. But he was one of the original Busy Boys. And... um, you had Billy Devour, you had um you know, you had the guys, a lot of people loosely affiliated with that movement. But the the actual group, you know, guys that were rapping and doing the DJs, DJing, Fanatic, Ski, Dana, they're doing the heavy lifting for the busy boys. Right. This right. is the late eighties, eighty eight. You know, it would be nothing to go to New York and hear the busy boys on a mix show. On New York radio. Yeah. So at that time, yeah, North Carolina, you had a North Carolina group making an impact nationally in hip hop as early as 1988, 87, wow. 88. <clears throat> wow. Well, you can't discount the um, the group sequence. Nah, nah. You know, and you know, if I'm, I'm assuming here, if Angie Stone wasn't a part of that group, her career may not have gone where it has gone now at this point. Honestly, Angie Stone is so doggone talented I could tell that you. she probably would have. Anyway. <laughs> would have hurt her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to own it. Yeah, because, um, you know, she also was part of that group Vertical Hold. And they okay. put a song out in the, probably around 92, 93. It was, um, seems you're much too busy for me. And, uh, yeah. I remember at that time, I was like, wow, she had a 10-year hiatus and right. came back with an R&B band. Then she took like another six, seven-year hiatus and came back as just Angie Stone. So, um, you know, I know if you were paying attention to music then in North Carolina on that level, um, you were of age. So where were you in life and how was this music impacting you? Um, let me see. During that time, I was in Tarboro. Tarboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I come from a group of a family that's that's pretty musical, and a lot of cousins who live in New York, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they're always coming back and forth with music. So, right, you know, I was able to stay up on what's happening on what? you know, on the latest music. What was the music on <clears throat> back then? Um, you know, I was getting stuff like Roxanne early. Um, the uh, the show albums or tapes. Uh, this would be direct tapes recorded off the radio in New York. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, and then my cousins would bring them down. I get a copy, and I got everything. You know, a nice hour and a half of music nobody ever heard before. No internet. Right. No internet. <laughs> so you know, you get a hold of stuff like that, and um, 
I wasn't that aware of what was going on in Greensboro mm-hmm. with with those guys. Right. But you know they were making big moves, but um, that for some reason hadn't reached me. I I found out more about what was going on with them when I actually moved to Greensboro okay. and found out how much had been done already. Right. Right. You know. <clears throat> so um, I heard you um, mention mixtapes earlier. So how how did that start? How how you know you want to put that first mixtape together? Mm, a mixtape that started days would be what they consider a playlist. Right, right. I think that started. Um, honestly, I think it started as a way to get money in high school. Oh, okay. It's you know, it's high school. Okay. I was one of those guys that bought everything. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted every album that came out. Right. So. I would pick the best songs. Even before I would mix them up, I would just pick the best songs and put them, take them off all the albums and put them on one tape and try to sell those tapes. Okay, okay. And then later when I started DJing, I was like, yo, just mix these up and put it out like that. Right. But it started, you know, as a ploy to sell music. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, I guess it proved to be um, beneficial, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It take you a long way. Like uh, all these, you know, you start dealing with this music, man. You meet people on their way up, and then you just look at at what happens to them throughout their careers, you know. And you see yourself growing too, mm-hmm. you know. Like as long as you've been doing what you've been doing, you've met people. You know, I'm pretty sure right. you know somebody's. You you're like, wow, look what they're doing now, yeah. you know. Like, um, let's take the Busy Boys for example. We talk mm-hmm. about. About how they came through. <clears throat> Rhythm Fanatic ended up producing a song on Michael Jackson's album, you wow. know, and that song I think um, I think the album won, might have won a Grammy or something. Or if it gets nominated for a Grammy, then he's a Grammy nominated producer. You see what I mean? Price go up, right? Um, Will Ski produced Jay Z's first album. Most of the songs on that first Jay Z album Reason produced by right Will Ski from. Busy boys. Okay. See what I'm saying? Right, right. <clears throat> so, so yeah, years in before he even linked up with Jay Z. Right, right. Right. So And he's still know. doing things now. Oh yeah, he's staying busy. Right. Camp Low is responsible for the Camp Low run. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucini, all of that. So, you know, guys still working. And um yeah, to get some longevity, you gotta start somewhere. Right. And so um Let's talk a little bit about your your roles uh, throughout your musical career, and um, where did you start and where are you now? Hmm. I started. Uh, I started strictly as a DJ. You know, I wrote the occasional rap, but it started as a DJ. Uh, got into producing. Uh, let me see. I have done radio for 11 years, mixed show, morning show. Where at? Um, that was at 102 Jams in Greensboro. Okay, 11 years. Yeah, 11 years. Damn, so what What? What years were those? Uh, 1996 to 2007. Oh, shit. So <clears throat> you, you saw the change. Yeah, that was a, yeah, I saw a lot. A lot changed during that time period. Yeah. You know, I would say I came in probably at the end of the golden era. Mm, the 90s he referring to. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I would say that the the yeah the golden era would consist of the time that the world discovered hip hop was good. Yeah, until the World Trade Center fell. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, that was yeah. the golden era for hip hop. Right. So, what you what you witness? What did you witness? You know, from being a <clears throat> Cause you're not just a regular consumer of music, you're a DJ and you own the radio. Yeah, I saw the biggest change that I saw was um, what was acceptable, what was being pushed to the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think we just like, you know, we were a few years away from the country going crazy over Luke's records, <laughs> right, and. Less than 10 years later, put it in your mouth is on the radio. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So that was a huge change, just watching people change what's acceptable. You know, it's like, hey, this is unacceptable in 1991. Right. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I don't mind in 1997. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't get it. That right. radio station, um, when I, I, I did live in Greensboro for a little while, but... When I was listening to that radio station, I always said, if you want to hear the real song, listen to that station. Nah, yeah. And um, I remember one morning I was listening to it, and I don't know where I was going, but I was listening, and that Trina um, song had just come out, something about the sunshine. I, I think it was something like her pussy so good that she, it's like sunshine or something. Right. And so about the third or fourth morning, um, one of the DJs, and I, I hate, I forget his name, but he said on the show that he thought that was going to be his last show because he didn't like the direction of the music list. And, um, I don't think I heard him on the radio since then, but, um, that says a lot, you know, yeah. that says I, a lot. I didn't, you know, that, that change in radio it's something that um, I can tell you, I honestly struggle with it. When I first came into radio, I came in as a a defender of one's right to say whatever you want to in an artistic setting. <laughs> then I taught school for a little while. Okay. What grade? I had sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. And during that time period, I realized the impact right. of what these artists were saying mm-hmm. on young, impressionable minds. Mm-hmm. And I changed my stance a little bit. Because you heard the conversation they were having and the stuff they were saying. Well, I saw how before I can yell put out, put it in your mouth. And, and the black community, that Oral sex was a bit taboo. hmm And a date with a black woman often didn't end with blowjob. Right. <laughs> and no girl was proud of how good she gave one. <laughs> if she gave you a good one, you better be quiet about it. If you tell anybody, you'll never get another one from her. <laughs> and flip to today... And I honestly could say it's because of that song. And anybody who wants to disagree with me, I want you to just, if you can count them up, 
count how much oral sex you got before. And I want you to think about your life since then. Seriously. The power of music. So that's a huge change. Like when they started allowing different things to go on the radio, I saw the culture change. They took the club out of the club. Yeah, it wasn't even just the club. It's it's our our societal values changed with the music. You see what I'm saying? That that's something that people, you know, people miss that a lot. You don't understand that that, you know. But who do you blame for that? Mm, it's a it's a fifty fifty. <clears throat> a lot of people say, well, you know, this is this is what they push, and they push it for a reason. Well, I can truthfully say it wasn't always what they pushed. Right. So, you know, there was a time when anything that filthy was frowned upon and the record labels didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. We as the consumers said this is what we like. We bought it. So the record label said, well, if, if it's profitable, then I'm going to sell it. Right. Um, now it's pushed because it's profitable. Right. Now it's pushed because it's profitable. With no, no thought as to whether it's damaging or not. Now, is there some blame in that? Yes. Is there also some accountability now that we understand that our own right. product is hurting us? Yes. Right. So, you know, everybody's accountable. At this point, yes. Right. Right. Another change. hmm I saw hip-hop go from not that profitable to extremely profitable to not that profitable again. Right. That, that was a huge change, you know? It's um, like like you said, the golden era, they um all the gold was mined. They mined all the gold. Right. And now if you strike gold, whoo <laughs> it's so competitive. Now do you think North Carolina is competitive? As a whole, no, we have talent and and we can always strike with the with the talent here and there. But we won't be competitive as a state until we uh until we get a sound, an identifiable sound. Mm-hmm. You know? We talked about that before. Yeah. It's gonna take an identifiable sound to get more than one person to blow. Right. You know? And you know, if I could just go go through some examples. You the sound of Compton. You know, when you think about Compton, it's not just in WA, it's DJ Quick, Sabah the Law, everybody. They had and, beef with each other, but their music still had and music that sound. still had that sound and yeah. you recognized it. Right. And the record labels did too. So when when NWA was popping on a certain sound, then the other cats are like, hey man, if this is what they're looking for, Why not? there's more of us out here. Right. You know, but us here in North Carolina, you know, Petey Pablo came out and he did a, he had a sound and nobody else sounded like Petey Pablo anywhere. Now, I'm not saying you can't, you can't copy whatever fire he has. That's him. Right. But <clears throat> he was working with whatever producers helped him create that sound, right. you know, Whatever it is, it came out of here. People liked it. It's different than everything else. Right. That's a direction that maybe some other people should have explored traveling. Right. Nobody even went down that lane. 
Right. You see what I'm saying? Well, your boy who, um, the track, hey, I hate myself that I can't remember his name, but it's a um, North Carolina track called Home of the Liquor House. And uh, I, he, he, that sound, he kept that sound alive. I I ain't really hear too much from him after that. Right. Because uh, I was out of state or whatever. But, you know, the um, craziest thing to me was that um, I was living in um, Chicago in 2005. In the 2004, I moved to Chicago. And the cable guy came over. Little Asian dude. Uh-huh. And um, so he asked me where was I from. And I told him North Carolina. And he went fucking crazy. He said, turn some little brother on. Ah. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. He said, turn some little brother on. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Then I had to go find out who little brother was. You know something? I was working at a radio station mm-hmm. in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. These cats were from North Carolina. But I think at the time, the record label they were signed to might have been like out in California somewhere. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm used to cats. Cats from North Carolina put a record out. You kind of see them go through their process. Right. <clears throat> I didn't see that happen with little brother, right? They were like their process was happening somewhere else. Yes. So because their success kind of, I it didn't reaches. it didn't have the homegrown feel. Right. Like I didn't even get the record. Like mm. you know, I'm at the radio station. You get promos at the station all the time. Right. I didn't get a record at the station. They came to the house. It wasn't for sale at the store. Right. You know what I'm saying. Like, I didn't get that record until I went to a music seminar in Durham. I had this um, a long time ago, probably in the, around 2000 sometime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by then the song had kind of run its course. Mm-hmm. But somebody was giving out some promo copies there. And that's how I got a copy. So, so it was like, you know, I, and, and you know me. Right. I play all North Carolina stuff. Right. But I just right. couldn't even get my hands on any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, and I think it was because the label wasn't from here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because when, when he was telling me about them, they were on tour, like, overseas somewhere. Right. And, um, yeah, so by the time I came back, um, I think they was coming off tour or something. And then next thing I knew, they was... Separated from Ninth, you know, I felt like Ninth had a, a blueprint, you know, mm. if he got that kind of exposure for <clears> something <throat> that won't homegrown. And not to say they're not from here, but you know, yeah. Now the thing them. is, like everybody from North Carolina loved them dudes. Like right. you know, they they got love. Mm-hmm. You know, I never felt like they didn't have the love. It was right. just I didn't have the record. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Wow. And um, yeah, like. You know, I I don't even think they, like, at the time when that record was out, I don't remember a promo tour. Like, you know how artists come through, visit the station, right. and be like, yo, we got a record out. Like, there was none of that. J. Cole. At least not in Greensboro. J. Cole, now J. Cole's always been, I don't ever remember a time where J. Cole wasn't fairly, you know, accessible. Like, you know, at least in my 
in my memory. Because well, he was he was out even when I was still on radio way back in two thousand seven, he was already okay. out then. And J. Cole used to work for Arista Records mm. back in the day. Like when he was do on his come up, he was working in the office. Mm-hmm. So as a radio DJ, um, you know, he's one of the guys that would call asking me about you know, did we get around to playing other people's records over the weekend? You know, hey, right. y'all, did you get to such such record? Right. You know, but yeah, he worked his way up, man. But but as far as being accessible and being here doing interviews and like he's always seemed to have done all he can right. whenever he can. You know, cool. like if you need him for a sem- seminar or whatever, I don't recall him turning down much mm-hmm. that that he can get to. Right, right, <clears throat> right, right. So what you got going on nowadays? What do you do now? Um, I've been working for a media base since uh, 2000. You know, for people in the industry, media base is a competitor to BDS. And they're the guys that, that collect your spins, tally up your spins when you put a record out. And uh, it's a division of Clear Channel, which turned into iHeartRadio. So basically, I work for iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that for 20 years. That's dope. Yep, it's um you know it's, it's a cool job because I get to listen to radio all over the country, you know, and that's uh you know keeps you on top of things. You know, that's another thing I, I see. I see radio changing. Like you talk about what changes have I seen during this time period? Right. I've been working this job since two thousand, so for seven years I worked this job and was on the radio too. Mm-hmm. So during that time period, I saw radio change. It went from um, there was a time when every station in the country was playing the same thing, and then I saw it go back to this regional, the regional feel. You know, when I started, people were playing. You know, every little area of the country had about three or four songs that were just theirs. Right. Then it got to a point where everybody was on the same thing. Like even New York's playing Trick Daddy. You know what I'm saying? It's like all the same everywhere, and then it's back to regional again. You okay. know. Okay. Everybody got their own artists again, and you know it makes it a lot more interesting. Well, I listen to um, ninety-seven point five a lot, and I don't, um, I don't ever really hear, except when they have like a local artist spotlight or something. I don't really hear. Um, it, it's a couple tracks. Not to say I don't hear it, you know, but I don't really hear the the local music, and. You know, it's a lot of talent out here. So, and I always wonder why. So, you know, I would say that nowadays, a lot of that stuff, sometimes you hear local stuff mixed in there and it just sounds so much like everything else. You don't recognize that a local song just went right on by. And they, and that, that speaks to the quality getting better. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> I used to think, um, you know, once I started doing doing this media base, I'm looking like, oh, oh, you know, I'm researching songs. I'm finding out, oh, these guys from Raleigh, you know. Right. Yeah, they play some. What what catch your ear? And the reason why I ask that, because you hear a lot. Um, Well, since my job is tracking down music that that's, that basically hasn't been tracked, Mm-hmm. Then I guess anything I never heard before is gonna stick out. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm basically 
you know, if there is a local song somewhere, usually it's going to fall on me to go track that joker down. So, yeah, anything I hadn't heard before, I, you know. How does that work, though? You find a song. Like, what do you mean you find it? Um, well, our whole the whole deal is identifying music mm-hmm. so that there'll be an accurate record of what's been played on radio. Mm-hmm. So anytime somebody drops just a new random song, of course, you know, there's no record of it anywhere. Somebody got to figure out what is this song. Mm-hmm. That's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So how do you do that? Oh, man, you it's like a, being a detective. But, <laughs> you know, you always got the, you know, you always have your your identification tools. But usually when it's something like that, Shazam, Soundhound is not going to catch it. So the next thing, um, you know, listen for back sales. That's when the jock tells you what the name of the song is. Okay. And, um, you know, I can go back and see if, if there's a point where anybody said the name of the song or the artist. Then even when they do, you know how how art, how art hip-hop artists are. Like a dude's name might be Jay Grizzle. Mm-hmm. And I got to figure out how he spelled J. Is it the letter J? Does it have right. a period? Is it grizzle? You know, how did he, How is he grizzle? You know what right. I mean? Like everybody, you know, everybody grizzle different, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it takes, a, it takes a while sometimes. But, um, yeah, I have called, I have ended up calling people's houses before. Mm-hmm. You know, I done tracked artists down at their house. <laughs> To tell about somebody. Nah, it ain't even about the money. Yeah. I'm just trying to get accurate information so I can put this in right. on my job. You know about what I'm saying? Somebody. And, so, the, and the thing is, you go through all these avenues and you might find a, a, a Instagram account and then you follow the follow this little trail. And next thing you know, you got their home number or something. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, you okay. you the one that made that song. They playing in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but I met I met some interesting people like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I track you down though. What's the craziest <laughs> story you heard that you ran across doing that though? Oh man, I don't man. Good gracious. It's a, it is a Southern Soul cat, man. He, I tracked him down. He's still called trying to get a gig set up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. He's trying to get a gig at TJ's. Yeah. <laughs> is he local? Nah, he's from Birmingham. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> he got to wait till they lift these restrictions. Hey, man. He's always checking in. Yeah. You know. Now, um, it, have you seen the uptick since the um, coronavirus been going on? And I, the reason why I ask that because you know people in the house more now, so I assume they consuming more music. Well, see, I don't really get to see, uh, you know, I don't really get to see that side of it. All I do is just track the music. And, okay. You know. Yeah. After that, it's out of my hands. But I would assume that radio is getting a bump. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would, and I would also say the industry's probably been suffering a little bit. You know, we're talking about, you know, another change I saw during the time that I was there was mm-hmm. was how much people needed radio to get their music. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, you know, I started at a good time because, you know, here I am. I got a brand new record. Mm-hmm. I'm playing it. 
And that's the only place you're going to hear it, period. Okay. You can't go on YouTube and listen to it anytime you want. Right. You can't stream it. Right. The only place you can hear it <laughs> is when I play it. Is when you play it. Right. Yeah. It's not coming on when I leave. You see what I'm saying? I'm taking the record with me. <laughs> so, you know, that type of power doesn't exist. No more. That type of power to debut a record. You don't have that power anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the artists used to, they wanted 100,000 people to hear it. They send it to you. Well, they couldn't post it on SoundCloud. They couldn't make their own video and put it on YouTube. You see what I'm saying? Right. But at the same time, do you think that, um, because I, I keep hearing that radio is a dying breed, but I think about how much I listen to the radio. It's not dying. Its impact is lessening. And you know that's a you know it's a little bit different. It, like you know something can shrink without dying. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you know radios you used to be a juggernaut. You know in in media, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have that same doesn't doesn't hold that role anymore. But it won't die. You okay. Know? Okay. It's like it's kind of like um, night television. Right. Um, you know. Cable came, everybody's like, oh, it's the end of TV. Nah. Hmm. It's just, it changed the way people watch TV. And you is. know, that one time CBS, ABC, NBC were the only stations you could watch. So they controlled everything. They got all the viewers. Mm-hmm. They didn't die when cable came. Yeah. Radio's not going to die now that you can get music in other places. I got you. <clears throat> And uh, I think about how accessible um, cars are to other forms of uh, other ways of getting music. And um, I think that uh, a lot of people consume music in their cars, but it's either through an aux cord or Bluetooth or something. So because when people get in my car and they hear me listening to the radio, it's like, man, I don't listen to the radio. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that radio gives you over everything else is news and what's happening right now. Where you are. Yeah. Right. You know, even some of the advertisements, you know, some people, hey, if nothing else, you know what club is popping. (laughs) Right. You listen to the radio. Listen to the radio. Right. How you going to know when McDonald's got two for five? Hmm. Listen to the radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the fire stick being out there. <laughs> so, um, have you worked with any artist in in North Carolina? Oh man. I've worked with so many artists in North Carolina, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That list would be way too long. But I haven't done much with many artists lately. You know, um, hip-hop, the being involved in it heavily is kind of like, um, it's kind of like a sports career. Hmm. You know, your, your best time is probably around the same time an athlete said his prime. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. And there are cats who can Tom Brady's mm-hmm. in hip hop. 
mm-hmm. who can stay relevant and stay involved at that level. But for the most part, the See, game is for the young man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's a right. young man's game, and you get to the other side of it one day. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can stay involved in the music, but but that 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 everyday part of it, living it mm-hmm. every day and being out there with people who are who are quote unquote relevant today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's for younger people and the people who got the energy for it and and the time for it, you know. They're around the same age as athletes at their prime. Right. Where are you paying attention to anybody in North Carolina? Man, I'm still, I'm wondering if the baby's run is going to cause any type of avalanche Hmm. for some other people. Okay. You know, that would be nice to see. You think it's a shift happening now? I know he got, um... The stunner for Vegas down there. Uh... I don't know. That's, I'm not aware of anybody else. You know, they keep right on making these lists of people like, you know, top next to blow, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't think of anybody right now. Right. You know, just right off the top of my head. There's a lot of people that throw songs out here and there. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anybody on a roll. Right. You know, but somebody will get on one sooner or later, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a lot of talent out here. <laughs> I keep saying that. Yeah. Something's got to change. Yeah, man. I don't, you know, the the market is saturated, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I think um, one way to help is um, media. Like this right here. You know, um, putting the information out there and, you know, keeping it. Because this is just the beginning. We're going to um, keep our ear to the street. And um, Capital J is has so much um, knowledge when it comes to this, um, the business of music, not just the music business. Because, you know, you can find out about the music business on Google. But the actual business of music is something totally different. Yeah. And, um, oh. Just said business. That that's the last thing I seen change. The business. The money. The money. Man. They were throwing so much money around. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Right. It was ridiculous. Up until the word trade centers fell. You know? They they used to just waste money. I saw record labels, they would waste money. Why you think the because um, that's the second time you mentioned that, why you think that was such an impact on it? It it was an impact because it made it made people chase all this fake stuff. Like, you know, you got people like look at look at videos. Right. You don't know nobody with a Ferrari. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a whole lot of rappers. Jay never seen her before. Right. And you know, first video, everybody in the mansion throwing money, <laughs> pouring bottles on girls. Right. With a Ferrari and a Lamborghini in the yard. <laughs> now, you ain't never heard of this dude. 
And you know I appreciate You know But that All that came from This era That era when people Were just throwing money around It set a standard For how things Are gonna be For the next few years That That really ruined Everything It made hip hop Expensive And hip hop Used to not be expensive You know We used to go to our parties For five dollars Dance all night And for five dollars You might be able to drink Free beer all night You know mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden, things started, you know, everybody's this millionaire mentality crept into the game. And, you know, the record labels were perpetuating it. You right. know, everybody was living the life. You know, the economy was good. There was money just everywhere. You know, everybody had rims on their car. Think about right. it. You know, dudes working at UPS, sitting on 20s. 20s you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody was living a life. Right. And it caused a lot of waste. But you think about where it came from, though. Because, you know, it, one thing about hip-hop, even at my age, that I noticed about it is that um, it it changes. And depending on the time period is depending on what music is, I guess, commercial or popularized. And um, in the 90s, it was that gangster. The 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 hood niggas. Hey, but it was the the hood there with the money. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. wanted they wanted to show some money too. Yeah, and that started creeping in. You know, it started getting away from DMX more towards the mace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he was DMX was yeah. the last grimy dude left. And he was hanging on, you know what I'm saying? He was yeah. trying to be dirty, but everybody was all clean, you know, right. they were clean with money in their pocket. And he was like, No, that ain't how we doing, you know. Right. Ain't how it is, dog. <laughs> he wanted to keep the Thames on, you know right. what I'm saying? He was trying to keep it gritty. Sure. But but the the industry was going a different direction, man. It, it got all polished, and now everybody wear tight pants and pink shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't complaining. I'm just saying, you know, okay. you know, you know they just they just go different direction, man. <laughs> you know. Um, I think I heard, I forgot who it was, but somebody said if you Google rapper, that's what you see. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Just Google the word rapper, and that's what you see, those images. Yeah, boy. And, you know, you don't see the stuff before. But I think it's some um, some of the younger artists are kind of talented um, if you take the time and consume their music. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not one of those people that think that, that what's going on today doesn't have any artistic merit. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I told you before, man, anybody can make a song I love. Right, and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna hold it against you if I don't like your style. Right, you know what I mean. Right. So, we're gonna dig deeper into some of these stories in these uh, coming episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. While we sit down and chat, this is the first one. How you? What you think about it? Hey man, I'm I'm ready to do more. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I can. I I dig this. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. So yeah, we got more to come. Yeah, matter of fact, we're gonna pick a topic for next week right now. Okay, let's come up with something right now. Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> hmm. Let's talk about 
All right. We were on the topic of North Carolina mm. and North Carolina hip-hop. We're going to talk about people from North Carolina and their impact in this hip-hop world. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And people and the ones that have impacted North Carolina mm-hmm. and beyond. The okay. the heavyweights. Gotcha. We're going to get in there, dude. How about that? And there's a few we'll of them, start, too. We'll start focusing on that. Okay. You know, because I'm, I'm sure we can go a whole lot deeper mm-hmm. than than the busy boys. Right. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like a plan to me. So stay tuned. Um, Overheeltv.com is where you can find the podcast. And we're going to bring them to you every week. Every week. Let's go. All right.